Thank you, Tash, for reading the Bible for us. Hi, everyone. My name is Jason. I am one of the student ministers here at Grace Point. And what a privilege it is for me to bring to you God's Word today. Before we begin, let me pray for us. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come now to hear from your Word. Prepare us today that we will come to obey from our hearts your Word that has now claimed our allegiance. Help us understand the precious truths that are contained in Scripture and how much it frees us from being slaves to sin, how much it empowers us and motivates us to live our entire lives in joyful obedience unto you. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me ask you this question. What captivates you? What captivates you? You see, when you are captivated by someone or something, you will do anything for them. If you set an eye on an item, you will work your butt off to buy it. Uh, If you fall in love with someone, you will do anything to please them and to pursue them. And in all our lives, we are all captivated by someone or something. And what we are captivated by determines the way that we live. In our passage today, we see a very clear example of this. Now, our passage doesn't use the word captivate, it uses the word slave. And the passage is very clear. You are either a slave to sin or a slave to righteousness. There is no middle ground. And as we dive into Romans 6, may God's word become like a mirror, showing us who we truly are, And who we truly live for. As we look at Romans 6, today's sermon will have three points. And you can see them on your outlines. Slaves to to sin, firstly. Secondly, lies to confront. And lastly, slaves to righteousness. Slaves to sin, lies to confront, and slaves to righteousness. And as we hear from God's word today, I hope and pray that the Holy Spirit will convict you of this truth. Very simple, verse 18. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. And we're now at point one, slaves to sin. Well, let us start with some context of Romans 6 so far. uh, We have seen how Paul outlines the gospel, how he now anticipates some challenges in chapter 6. The challenge is this. Does the gospel of free grace mean that we can go on sinning? And we see in Romans 6 that this is absurd, by no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? And so in our passage last week, Paul calls us and calls the Romans to flee from sin and to live in righteousness. Now our passage this week is just like the start of Romans 6. Paul is anticipating a similar challenge. Verse 15 Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? Again, notice, by no means. And now Paul expands on the idea of us being slaves. And so follow along, this passage contains the Bible's diagnosis of the human condition. And not only so, Paul also gives us the cure to this terrible diagnosis. Let us start with what it means to be slaves to sin. Come with me to verse 16. Verse 16, we read, 
Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness? We'll pause here. Paul starts to describe what it means to be a slave to sin. Now, slave is such a strong word. And when we think about slaves, it has such negative connotations. Now, when we think of slaves, we might think of African slaves in America. But in the context of Romans, it was a little bit different. Back in Paul's time, about 10 to 30% of the entire Roman Empire were slaves. Uh, And one commentary even estimated that 70% of the Roman Christians, uh, that's who Paul was writing to, over 70% of them were slaves. And at that time, slaves were not as oppressed as we might think now. Uh, It was much more common back then. They were more like bond servants of houses for their masters. And so Paul is using an analogy to explain this concept, this concept of being slaves to sin. And we see from the passage, there are at least three symptoms, three symptoms of what it means for humans to be slaves to sin. Symptom number one, we see that being a slave to sin means that it is your identity. It was your status. And the Bible's human condition is that all humans are owned by sin. We see that in verse 16. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey? You are owned by sin. You belong to sin. Sin is your slave master. That's not all. We also see in verse 19, symptom number 2, verse 19. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness. We'll pause here. Your status as a slave to sin actually means that you produce sinful fruits. You are a slave to impurity. You lived an impure life. And in Romans, impurity always refers to sexual immorality. So you are a slave to sexual immorality. And you are also a slave to ever-increasing wickedness. Ever-increasing wickedness. And so church, the Bible's human condition is that all humans are impure and exceedingly wicked. Not only that, our final symptom, symptom number three, we read in verse 20. Verse 20, when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. Free from righteousness. And Paul here is personifying sin and righteousness. If sin is everyone's slave master, then righteousness is the alternative. Righteousness is another slave master. And so if you are free from righteousness, then the opposite is true. You are well and truly under the tight grips of sin. You are subservient to sin. You are controlled by sin. And so to sum up all three symptoms, the Bible's human condition is that all humans 
are owned by sin, belong to sin, under the tyranny and the power of sin, and you can't do anything but to live in sin. That is a terrifying picture. And that might sound a little bit abstract. Living in 21st century Australia, this concept of slavery might be a bit foreign to us. What does it actually look like? Now, let me give you an example. The Christian organization IJM is an international group that seeks to combat modern slavery. And one of the things that IJM fights against is bonded labor. There is a story on their website about a woman called Manny. Manny's mother died and her family had a huge debt. She got an offer from a labor agent. It was an offer of an advance payment to work in a factory. And so she accepted it. But soon after, every member of her family was forced to work long and exhausting hours far away from their home. The condition of the factory was bad. Beatings and verbal abuse was common. And the tiny little sum that they earned each day could never pay back their advance payment. This is bonded labor. They can never pay it back. And sadly, there are many of these real stories. And if you are interested in knowing more, feel free to look up IJM, International Justice Mission. But my point is, Manny's story shows us what being a slave to sin looks like. You are owned by the slave master. Your status is a slave. You produce the fruits of your slave master, impurity and wickedness, and you are controlled by the slave master. You can't help but to sin. Just like bonded labor, slavery to sin means that there is no way out. There is no way you can pay back the bond. You are a slave to sin. That is the Bible's grim picture. But what if I tell you that is still not it? Romans 6 doesn't even stop there. There are at least three results. Three results as slaves to sin. Result number one, we see that in verse 21. Verse 21. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Notice this is a rhetorical question. What benefit? When you were a slave to sin, you reap no benefit. All the impurity and wickedness that you did, you reap no benefit. Or result number two, again we see in verse 21. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Not only did these things that you did reap no benefit, you are now ashamed of them. Impurity, wickedness, these things bring shame. And it's so true, isn't it? When we sin, it brings us shame. We're scared of being found out. We are scared of being punished. And it makes us feel distant from God. Which leads to the final result. Result number three. Verse 21 again, at the very end. Those things result in death. Death, that is the final result. Verse 16, you are slaves to sin, which leads to death. Verse 23, for the wages of sin is death. 
And so to sum up the Bible's human condition is that being a slave to sin brings you no benefit, brings you shame, and it brings you to the final end of your life, death. And so continuing the illustration of bonded labor, you are trapped in your work. Working as a slave brings you no benefit, no wages. It brings you shame and you are guaranteed a death sentence. That is slavery to sin. If you've been at Grace Point for a while, this is not new to you. The Bible consistently describes the human condition as bondage and slavery to sin. But if you are a visitor, if you are a seeker and you are new to Grace Point, this might be new to you. And you might not agree with what the Bible teaches about the human condition. You might not agree with everything. But can I say this? What the Bible teaches about the human condition matches quite well with reality, doesn't it? Look at our world today. Even if there are many people who do good things, they're kind, they're generous, you still can't deny that they are not perfect. Sin is present in the worst of us. You can so clearly see those who are slaves to sin, those who are impure, those who are immensely wicked. But sin is also present in the best of us. And the Bible's diagnosis is that even the kindest, the most generous, the nicest person alive, he or she still can't help but to sin. He or she is still a slave to sin. And yes, even you. If you think you're not so bad, the Bible says even you, you are a slave to sin. Everyone is a slave to sin. If you think that if I do enough good things, if I'm not such a bad person, God will take care of me. Well, let me ask you this. Where did you get that impression of God from? The God that Christians worship is the God of the Bible. And the Bible teaches this very simple truth. You are either a slave to sin or a slave to righteousness. And as we have just heard, a slave to sin lives in impurity and wickedness and is guaranteed a death sentence. If you are here today, and if you are to reject what the Bible says about the human condition, then may I ask you, what does your worldview say about the evil and the wickedness that is present in every human being? How do you explain the fact that even the kindest person alive can't help but to live in sin and is still a slave to sin? Even if you don't accept what the Bible says about sin, may I ask you to keep listening still and see what you think about what the Bible says is the cure. How God saves our slaves to sin. But now I point to lies to confront. If you're here today and you are a follower of Jesus, what I've been saying, being a slave to sin, is not new to you. But what we Christians might struggle with is living out this new reality in Romans 6. In the past two weeks, we have heard again and again, we have those who have died to sin, how can we live in it any longer? Paul's command, count yourselves dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. But Christians, in our lived experience, we struggle, don't we? We struggle with remaining sin. 
And as we live with remaining sin, we start to believe in two lies. And these two lies are what our passage will now confront. Lie number one. We might think that we are still enslaved to sin. Still slaves to sin. Well, in Reformed theology, we often emphasize this. I just talked about it in point one, how controlling our sin is. And you might remember this Jonathan Edwards quote. You contribute nothing to your salvation except the sin that made it necessary. Or you might hear quotes like this. The Christian's fundamental identity is that he is a sinner. And this emphasis on sin is so right, especially in our world today, when we always talk about goodness and love and kindness. But we might fall into the danger of overcorrection. And we might start to believe in the lie that even as a Christian, we are still slaves to sin. And that is the lie that we must confront from Romans 6. Listen to what Paul says here. Verse 17 and 18. Are we still slaves to sin? Verse 17. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves of righteousness. Notice the past tense of these verses. You used to be slaves to sin. It's in the past. Verse 18, you have been set free from sin. This has been done for you in the past. God has set you free from sin. Look at verse 20. What tense it is in again? Verse 20, when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. It's in the past tense again. You were slaves to sin. You were free from righteousness. But now, you are not. When he talks about us being slaves to sin, Paul is so intentional to use the past tense. It is to show that it is who we once were. And the truth is, if you trust in Christ, you are no longer a slave to sin. Let me say that again. If you trust in Christ, you are no longer a slave to sin. You are free from sin's gripping powers. You are free from the old cruel slave master. When he preached on Romans 6, the famous preacher Martin Lloyd-Jones said this. He said, to be free from sin doesn't mean sinless perfection. But to be free from sin means that we are free from the reign and the rule and the realm of sin. Let me say that again. And our experience matches with this, doesn't it? We don't have sinless perfection, but to be free from sin means that we are free from the reign and the rule and the realm of sin. And let me give you an illustration. And it's straight from verse 14. Sin shall no longer be your master. Using our illustration from point one, Manny, remember, she has been in bonded labor for years. Imagine one day a rich man comes and he pays off all her debts and everyone in the factory. She has been freed from her slavery. But the fact that for years she has lived 
under the whips and the shouts and the cruelty of the slave master, means that even after she has been freed, whenever she hears a random boss shouting to their worker in the markets, giving them orders, telling them what to do, she still instinctively cowers in fear. She is still tempted to get to work, to join the assembly line, to do the things that she has been doing for so long. It's out of instinct, it's out of habit, her fear grips her, and the shouts of the slave master still ring loud in her ears. And in the same way, we might think we are still slaves to sin. We've been sinning for so long, we are so used to our old ways, we have remaining sin, that whenever we hear our old slave master, whenever we hear Satan's lies and temptations, we fall back into sin. And when we sin, we are stuck in the mindset that we are still a slave. And our lived experience might make us believe in lie number two, that we will continue to do the things we are ashamed of, that we can't help it, that there is no way out, that we will never have victory over sin. The lie makes us fall into this endless cycle of shame, of withdrawing from God, of distance from God, of refusing to repent. And not long after that, if you refuse to repent, you might fall back into sin again. And it repeats and repeats and repeats. This cycle makes us go, wow, Romans 6 is so right. I am still a slave to impurity and to wickedness. I'm still doing the things that I'm now ashamed of. My remaining sin must mean that I'm still a slave to sin. And so our guilt and shame reinforces the lie that we are still slaves to sin. Dear congregation, do not listen to this lie. Don't listen to it. The truth is, as Paul says here in Romans 6, though you used to be slaves to sin, you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. You have been set free. Jesus said in John 8, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. The son has set you free. By his death on the cross, by his resurrection from the dead, Christ has freed you from the curse of sin and he has freed you from death. You might still think that you are under the slavery of sin. But no, you are no longer a slave to sin. You have been freed from the reign and the rule and the realm of sin. You might occasionally hear lies from the old slave master. But the one who calls you to be a slave to righteousness is much stronger than that old slave master called sin. Whereas you were born into slavery, to sin in Adam, you are born again as a child of God in Christ. Because you are now under the power of grace, you now have the power to be a slave to righteousness. 
The same God who freed you from slavery to sin is the same God who will empower you to live as a slave to righteousness. Dear congregation, this is the good news. The God who commands you to live for him will also give you the power to live in righteousness, obedience and holiness. We have heard from the catechism, the Holy Spirit lives in Christians. God will give you the power to live in righteousness, obedience and holiness. And to address lie number two, even if we continue to sin, even if you have slipped back into your old ways, let me say this. You don't sin as a slave. You sin as a son. Let me say that again. If you are in Christ, even if you slip back into sin, you don't sin as a slave. You sin as a son. This is so life-changing, church. This is what gives us power to keep living for God. Your guilt and shame will not crush you. Just like the prodigal son, no matter how many times you have sinned against God, no matter how many times you have run away from the Father, squandered everything far, far away from Him. Because you are united to Christ when you first believed, and because you are now a child of God, your Father's love for you is as far as the east is from the west. Even if you have sinned against the Father again and again, even if you feel so far from Him right now, as long as you turn back, He will in no way cast you out. He will run out and embrace you and welcome you back home, if only you will come home to Him. After you have sinned, you might want to keep some distance away from God. You might feel too ashamed. You might feel so stubborn. You don't want to come back to God. You don't want to repent. But dear congregation, our Father's call to you to return to Him is loud and clear. If you have sinned against Him, you don't sin as a slave. You sin as a son. Let us hear verse 18 again. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. Come home. Come back to him. Those who are in Christ, God will in no way cast out. Dear congregation, we have heard the glory and the great extent of God's love for us. And as we come to our final point, we run into the same challenge that Paul was trying to address. Someone here, after hearing all that, might be tempted to think, oh, even if I sin, it doesn't matter. I sin as God's child. Let me go out and sin again. My father will always welcome me back home. And if that is you, you have missed the point. If you have been saved by such grace... To keep on sinning would be unthinkable. Let us hear what Paul has to say about this. We're now at point three, slaves to righteousness. We come back to Romans 6 and let us hear verse 17 again. Listen to what Paul says about our new identity. Verse 17. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, You have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. Verse 
a Christian is no longer a slave to sin, but a slave to righteousness. This change has come about, verse 17, when you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. When you became a Christian, when you put your faith in Christ, when you have been united to him, you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. And again, this is something done for you in the past. If you are a Christian, that is who you are now. This is your identity, a slave to righteousness. And it sounds like a paradox, doesn't it? Uh, To be set free just to become a slave. But let me tell you, even though it sounds like a paradox, this is true freedom. True freedom is being freed from the reign and the rule and the realm of sin and being delivered into the reign and the rule and the realm of God. And just like when we were slaves to sin, how it leads to our death. So now being a slave to righteousness, it leads to obedience, holiness and eternal life. Verse 22, this is the final result of the Christian. Paul sums it up so well in verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is not all. There are practical implications. So what now? I'm a slave to righteousness. What does it mean for me to live as a slave to righteousness? How does this truth change me? Well, Paul gives us a command in verse 19. Verse 19. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness leading to holiness. And practically, this means that we put holiness as a priority. This means that we are putting, putting sin to death as a priority. We are putting living a righteous life as a priority. And the early church father, Oregon, he put it this way. Once your feet ran to the temples of demons, now they run to the church of God. Once your hands were stretched out to steal what belonged to others, now they are stretched out to be generous with what is your own. Once your eyes looked at women or at something that was not yours with lust in them, but now look at the poor, the weak, and the helpless with pity in them. Your ears used to delight in empty talk, but now they have turned to hearing the word of God, to the exposition of the law, and to learning wisdom. Your tongue, which was accustomed to bad language, cursing and swearing, has now turned to praising the Lord at all times. And let me expand on this to our context. Being a slave of righteousness means your heart used to love the praise of men, but now you have died to yourself and you give all the glory to God. You used to fear what others think of you, but now you live to the audience of one. You used to be addicted to porn, to alcohol, to gambling, but now you have been freed to live for God. You used to lie to get your way, to protect yourself from shame. But now you are honest and you live with integrity. 
You used to manipulate and flirt and seduce and seek the attention of the opposite gender. But now you are genuine, confident in your identity in Christ, and you don't need to seek someone else's affirmation anymore. You used to compare yourselves to others to feel proud if you think you are better than them, or to feel self-pity if you think they are so much more than you. But now you feel secure because you are loved and you are a dearly loved child of God. And the list goes on and on and on. This change is all-encompassing. This is what it means to switch allegiance from being a slave to sin to being a slave to righteousness. It is to have all your sins, no matter how big or how small, and you lay it all before Christ and you cry out, Lord, examine my heart. Where else am I still withholding myself from you? Where else am I still being lied to by the old slave master of sin? Or where else am I willingly giving myself to sin? Lord, see if there be any secret sin in me and lead me in the way everlasting. This is what it means to go from a, sin, from a slave to sin to a slave to righteousness. Church, you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. And as we finish with implications, let's keep going on how this truth makes a difference in our lives. If you've been listening, and as a Christian, you think that this passage is just another call to holiness, just another call for you to try harder. If you think of it like that, your Christian life will be so burdensome. But we read in 1 John 5 that His commands are not burdensome. How can that be? And when a Christian hears that he should live a holy life, he should think, Amen, I want to be holy. I want to honor my God with my life. This is not burdensome. This is how I love to live. Here's how our passage gives us power to keep living a holy life. Number one, knowing that you are no longer a slave to sin. The first step putting sin to death is to know that you have been freed from it. Free from the reign and the rule and the realm of sin. Once you know that you are free, when you are tempted, you have the power to remind yourself, this is not who I am anymore. I am not enslaved to this sin anymore. I don't have to give in to it anymore. In Christ, I am not a liar. I am not an addict. I am not a thief. I am not an idolater. Knowing that you are no longer a slave is the first step. Number two, remember the way that you have been set free. According to verse 17, you were set free when you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. This is the massive change that has happened at your conversion. And the way in the Christian life is to keep on. Keep on obeying from the heart. Keep on living out that allegiance to God. Come back to your first love. Do you remember if you have become Christian a while ago, do you remember what was it 
What was it like when the gospel first gripped your heart? Why were you moved to trust in Him? Why were you moved to obey from the heart? For me and for so many, it was God's forgiveness. Knowing that I'm forgiven makes me so grateful for God. And that gratefulness leads me to want to live for Him. What was it for you? Come back to that obedience from the heart and keep on. And lastly, number three, we will finish with this one. Realize that you have a much greater allegiance, a greater motivation, and a greater love. Our passage says, when you were slave to sin, you were free from righteousness. You were under the control of sin and Satan. And you were destined for a death sentence. But now, not only are you a slave to righteousness, you are a slave to love. The element of love comes in and that changes everything. A man who is in love is a slave. He lives for the other. He lives for the object of his love. The one he loves really controls him. But there is a great difference between that and the slavery that was imposed by the tyrant of sin. In the second case, it is a willing slavery. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, The love of Christ compels us. The love of Christ constrains us. It is no longer a terrible tyranny. It is love. The Christian who was under the power of sin Now he is under the power of righteousness. And the Christian who is controlled by righteousness, constrained by love, enslaved to God, he loves to obey God. He loves to flee from sin. He sees much freedom from living in righteousness. And he knows that living for God is the good life. And so when the devil whispers in his ear, Come back to sin. Remember how good it was. He would consider such suggestions unthinkable. Impossible. How can I sin against my Savior? How can I sin against the one I love? It's like when a father of two kids, he meets a seductive woman at work. And when he is tempted to have an affair with her, he remembers the ones he loves. Unthinkable. How can I cheat against my dear wife? How can I betray my children? They are my life. How can I sin against the ones I love? In his heart, there is now a new allegiance, a greater love. And he would consider that temptation unthinkable. In the same way, church, when you are tempted to sin, When you are tempted to go back to your old way, remember your new allegiance. Remember your new love. Remember the God who loves you. Remember your Savior who died for you. And live in joyful obedience to the one you love and to the one who loves you dearly. Dear congregation, hear God's word to you today. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. 
We thank you for the riches and the precious truths that are in Romans 6. We were once lost in the darkness, enslaved by the sin that promised joy and life. Little did we know that we were slaves to impurity and to wickedness, and it led us to the grave. We praise you that in Christ we are set free from sin. We have become slaves of righteousness. We are no longer slaves to sin. We don't have to listen to the old slave master anymore. And that even if we sin now, we don't sin as slaves. We sin as sons. Now, Lord, we long to obey you. We long to live for the one we love. It is not burdensome to put sin to death anymore. If we do it for the one we love. May we be yours alone. And live to your glory by our lives. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.